Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 508, coming to you on Monday, October 2nd. We are finally in October, the third month of the season. Sort of. SC started in late August, but... You know, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, welcome to October. We're going to look back at USC's win over the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, it was a win. Hey, it was a win. Yeah, it was a win. Uh, people, people forget famously that it was a win. Uh, the Trojans are 5-0. and uh, We're going to look back at the game, open up the mailbag. Uh, a lot of questions, uh, a lot of voicemails, and of course, the return of the rant line today. Uh, as always, our email address is reignoftroy at fansider.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, our phone number, 818-643-7227. Second What's for a Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, Jello, along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Dertol. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, I, I just, I, I just got to address something. I, you know, I... First of all, big big thank you to everyone joining us live on YouTube. Um, so the way it works, uh, we we set up the we we have a virtual studio um, that we set up our show. We set up our live stream, set it up on YouTube. We connect it digitally with the API. Blah blah blah. Um, and when we do that, sometimes the comments poured in early. Sometimes they don't. Uh, 
I go over to YouTube and I see some of the early comments that, that are posted on here. Um, and you guys are awesome. Uh, seeing comments from like a half hour before the show is, is, is cool. Like it, it, it's, it's cool to see that people are like waiting for us to start the show. That's awesome. Um, so thank you to everyone, you know, jumping in there. Uh, Sagar was in there. Ron Murdy was in there. Ernesto, like people are, are in there early. It's awesome. I have to address this, this comment from <laughs> Charleston that says this is the saddest five and O in history. No, it's not. <laughs> Like, I understand that, you know, <laughs> I understand the frustration with USC's defense, all of that. Do you remember the COVID season? I, I know we say the COVID season doesn't exist, but, like, it did happen. <laughs> SC was 5-0. and I assure you that 5-0 and was sadder than this. Also, that 5-0 and team would have gotten murdered by this one. Like... This is not the saddest 5 and 0 in USC history. Uh it's not the saddest 5 and 0 in the history of this podcast. Like like <laughs> the 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 5 and 0 that this is, like I I get it. I get the frustration and all that stuff, but like come on. It's not the saddest 5 and 0. <laughs> no, there I have definitely lived through worse 5 and 0s. Um I have experienced other fan bases living through worse five and O's. Uh, when it comes down to it, if you are five and O, you should be very happy, especially because USC is five and O, having never trailed at any point this season. SC has the highest percentage of plays this season with a fourteen point lead than anyone else in the country. Like. I get it. I I get that you know the Trojans ain't ain't played nobody. I I get that that's part of it. Uh, but let's let the let's let the losses happen before before we we. <laughs> that's what we were getting to with the car cats too. It's like, guys, okay, realistically, realistically, USC will lose a game or two, maybe more at some point this season. Like realistically, that's going to happen. Save your misery for then. Like, <laughs> I, trust me, I wasn't happy after that game. Like, I'm not, but but also, like, a win is still a win. A win is still a win, and we don't need to be acting like USC just lost. Yeah, when... I mean, no, I, but I, I, I get it. <laughs> I mean, given the way that the second half happened, they, yeah. they surely lost the second half. But, yeah. Anyways, uh... You guys are riled up because we got a million calls into the rant line. I think we just got to get straight into it, eh? What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. It started strong, friends. It started great. We were up big. Life was wonderful. And this is where the rant begins. Rainy Troy Radio, what's up? It's Dave from Orange County. Hey guys, this is Johnny from Tennessee. This is Greg from D.C. Hi guys, Shanice from the West Side. Uh, Hector from Pomona. Tony from Denor, PA. Hey guys, this is Michael on the 563. Our lead's down to two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and it's nervous time. I'm pacing all over the place. But every time I come back to the game, we were giving up a touchdown to Colorado in the second half. Even when we win, I can't feel happy. Yep, this is, this is like deja vu all over again. Uh, this one leaves a bad taste. It's a W, which is the bottom line. That's all that matters. 
this was a blowout. We were the better team the entire time. So how the hell did they outscore 34 to freaking 14? Chief, I need to know. Because the math ain't mathing on this. USC playing with his food. That's it. So sick of this. Imagine if Travis Hunter was healthy. You're telling me that you don't think Colorado would have pulled off the win? Easily could have won this game had they had better clock management in the last uh, several minutes of the game. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, I just don't know. You know, I was going to call and try to calm things down and say, you know, I'm gonna, we should enjoy this win. It was tough winning on the road, elevation, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw the postgame quotes, and it really hit me. We really only won by seven. Why is it that we have to feel unsure of ourselves when USC is on the field to close out a game? It's so bad. Alex Grinch gets to play in late every single time. I just want to let you all know that Alex Grinch has definitely got to go. I know the uh, anniversary of the tarmac just came up. Do it again, all right? Grinch has got to go. If this is the kind of defense that Riley accepts on his team, they both can go as far as I'm concerned. we just got to get better. We're not going to win no championships playing like this. No national championship, no Pac-12 championship, not beating Oregon, not beating Washington. There's no way we're banging any of those teams out with this defense being the way it is. There's also just no way. We're probably not blowing them out, period. Like, let's just, those are all going to be dog fights. I think, uh, I think I'd rather do a shot of honey mustard than watch Mason Cobb start at linebacker again. <sighs> but whatever, the defense is the defense. We get it. But hey, it's a W. At least we got the win. All right, love the show. Take care. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. There we go. You guys <laughs> called into the rant line. 818-643-7227 is the phone number. Save the number so that way you can call in next week when SC plays, uh, or this week when SC plays Arizona at the Coliseum. Elisa, your thoughts? <laughs> the Rot Hot Bots heard the challenge of us of us saying yes. that enough people don't call yes, in. Yes, absolutely. called in. Uh, so 100% with that. Uh, I, feel, I feel every... Every comment that was made, except for one, like e- every idea there, I 100%, I'm 100% on board. The one I have to take upset, uh, exception to is the idea that if Travis Hunter was healthy, Colorado would have won that game. Because if you are restoring Travis Hunter's health, and I'll throw in Shiloh Sanders along with you, you're also having to restore the health of people like Zach Branch and Max Williams and like theoretically Shane Lee, because I don't know why he's not there. And like Solomon Tulia Pupu. Solomon Tulia Pupu yeah, and, and Gino Canones and a bunch of other like guys on USC that would have helped with that game too. So like right. pump, I'm pumping the brakes on that one. I'm pumping the brakes. Um uh, <laughs> just saying, uh USC's most explosive weapon on offense was not there and on special teams was not there. So whatever. But aside from that, like yeah, it's extremely frustrating watching a USC game where they were in control, like so in control, and had a path in front of them for a completely drama-less week with just one quarter of even middling football. And instead, they decided to put their worst quarter of the year together um, at the end of that game. And uh, drama happened, and now everyone's freaking out. And I'm... yeah. I get it. I, I here's a question I'm going to offer to the chat. Um genuinely. Th- this is not a uh th- this is this is not me, you know, uh poo-pooing what happened in the second half of the game. Not at all, not in the slightest. But I I do want to offer a question to the chat if if you're watching us live on YouTube. 
did the rest of Saturday change your opinion about how you felt about SC say during the car cast did seeing Oregon struggle for the first half and, and then figure things out and completely blow away Stanford. Did that change your mind at all about like SC struggles? Did seeing Notre Dame have to completely pull it out of their ass on a fourth and forever on the last drive of the game change your thoughts? Did, did Washington nearly throwing the game away in, in Arizona, like change uh, anything for, for you in the terms of like the idea that like SC is this solely flawed team? Like, because I, I think Saturday was a prime example. Georgia, Georgia going on the road and uh, losing that to Auburn in the, in the second half. Like, I'm not saying that SC's problems are not worse than those other teams. I, I think they probably are. I think, yes, like, uh, surely. Um, I think there's a more jarring problem that USC has than any yes, other team. For sure. and Which is only slightly balanced out by USC having a better offense than the vast majority of anybody out there. Right. But I, I think Saturday was just a prime example of like everybody in college football is flawed this year in some way or another. Um, and it, it's interesting because you look at the Georgia game and you can, you know, externally, uh, I don't know, maybe on uh, Reign of Georgia podcast, uh, they are, you know, they're calling into the dog line and like fire, fire smart and whatever. But like, you know, I think you can, you, from the ex, the external side of things, you're like, oh, well, they, they struggled. But hey, you know, there was a new quarterback going on the road, first start on the road, like hostile environment and Jordan Hare, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, that benefit of the doubt that I think that you can give other teams, you never give your own team. Yeah. 100%. Ever. Ever in the slightest, right? Like, because you watch all of your your team's games, every single one of them, and it's easier to pick out all the little imperfections, right? Like, yeah. And again, this is not me to, you know, dumb down SC's issues. Absolutely. There's a million issues, and we're going to talk about them uh, in this uh this episode so uh all right uh let's get to it shall we? we we got we got some news for real this time not just pressing the drop just to press the drop hey alicia before we get back to the show can you give me one quick moment are you doing prize picks again yes it's so good it's the playoffs it's the nba playoffs there's so many good things to do on prize picks it's america's number one fantasy sports app for a reason i'm just going here looking for different entries look at this uh james harden more or less than nine assists what do you think uh, James Harden and the Clippers are out to crush me, so always I pick less. Okay, okay. Kevin Durant, more or less than 28 points? Uh, Kevin Durant is out to crush the souls of Suns fans, so I always pick less. <sighs> Fine. Uh, Anthony Edwards, more than 29 points. Is, 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 that, is that better for you? Anthony Edwards is actually really, really, really good, so... Fine, we can do more there. We're going to go Anthony Edwards more, Kevin Durant less, James Harden less. And we're going to lock it in. And you guys listening can also download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Download the app 
Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. Download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. And yes, it's available in California. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Alicia, let's get to the news. Uh, we got to talk about the polls. The polls are out. Uh, and guess what? SC has dropped in the polls. Uh, the polls, which you know famously matter so much at this point in the season, um, they're mattering. Continues uh, this week. Uh, SC down a spot in the AP from eight to nine. Oregon has jumped the Trojans. Uh, it now reads Georgia one, Michigan two. Texas three, Ohio State four, Florida State five, Penn State six, Washington seven. All those teams, status quo. No moving up or down. First team to move up or down is Oregon and SC, which switch spots at eight and nine. Notre Dame up a spot to ten. Uh, Alabama up, uh, etc. As uh, as Utah was the big loser of the week, uh, losing on the road in Corvallis. Alicia, do do you care that SC is down to number nine? I do not, because say it with me, everybody. The polls don't matter. The AP poll, the coaches poll, these polls do not matter. What matters is where you are when the college football committee is making their decision later on in the season. And quite frankly, USC simply (laughs) needs to win the difficult games on their schedule to prove to the college football playoff committee that they are deserving of a, of a, of a spot. Um, you beat Notre Dame and what happened in the fourth quarter against Colorado becomes a hell of a lot less important. You beat Oregon, you beat Washington, a whole lot, a impo- lot, lot, uh, less important. Um, I don't like doing the comparison between what one team did against a team versus another team the way that I think it was very easy for people to look at, well, 
USC did this versus Colorado and Oregon did this versus Colorado. So let's move Oregon up ahead of USC. But I, I also think that Oregon has simply looked like a more stable team. Oregon's defensive problems do not look as drastic as USC's. And so I don't mind Oregon being ahead of USC. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter because USC won't play Oregon at some point this season. Yeah. So it just it's just one of those things. USC has plenty of opportunities to improve their standing in the polls. This ranking is, to me, based on what we based on the question marks that people nationally have about USC's defense, I think it's perfectly within reason to continue to drop USC as the defense continues to show that they are not improved. Yeah, I I think that, you know, Washington, Oregon, and SC all being back-to-back-to-back makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, The other thing is, I would argue this is probably the best-case scenario um, in that this puts Washington and Oregon as high as they can be for their matchup. Yeah. Let them be ranked as high as they can be for when they, they match up in a week and a half. Um, the same time the SC goes to Notre Dame, let both of those games be top 10 battles. Um, get the most poll juice you can. So that way, when SC plays the winner of whoever Oregon and Washington, uh, that, that game, you know, gets decided. However it does, that you you get some more pole juice or whatever it is like it, it it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know like you like you said SC is gonna play Washington Oregon and Notre Dame all three of those teams are top ten teams right now if SC beats them they will be ranked higher than all of them uh, if SC doesn't they won't that's that's how it works so big big shrug uh, did want to give a uh, mention to um, SJ in the chat for hey. popping in a uh, a super chat with a question. Do you think USC message board fan is so fixated on the failings of the SC defense that they're unable to enjoy the transcendent talents of Caleb Williams? Yes. I yeah, think I, I, th- I not, not, not every message board fan. Certainly not. Not every podcast listener. Not no, no. Like I think you're, you're, you're stereotypical. Like, uh, you know, I, it's a little, first of all, it's a little rich for us to like talk about like the, uh, the, the stereotypical, like uh, angry caller when we literally have a rant line. Like I, I see the <laughs> irony there. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think there are people who, who, who sort of lose the enjoyment there. Um, some with more maybe self-awareness than others, certainly, but like, yeah, I, I, I also I, I, I get it. I also think there's something about um, timing and sort of how things play out. Because I think if it had been, let's say, at in the third quarter, it's uh, 35 to 30. USC is leading um, Colorado. Uh, or let's say it's tied at, at halftime. And USC... Uh, goes back and forth with with Colorado and and Caleb Williams leads a a, a winning touchdown uh, a, a game winning touchdown drive to to win the game 
we're probably spending a hell of a lot more time talking about how amazing Caleb Williams is and people are, are spending a lot more time talking about that um, than, you know, the, the the defensive collapse that happened. Although I think either way, this game with the scoreline like this, people are going to be really, really, really pissed off about the defense. Right. But there's a universe where this game looks very different and uh, fans are less fixated on the defense and more fixated on like USC winning a shootout. It, it's yeah. it's well, the fact that the defense gave up the points the way that they did right. um, in, in on the last few drives. I, I think the other argument is that, you know, I think there's a lot of people super upset with the defense more so than normal um, because of Caleb because uh, the the fear and the um, frustration and all that stuff of the idea of, of wasting Caleb Williams, right? Because, like, sort of like the, the audacity of the defense to do this while you have a Caleb Williams kind of thing is... Yeah. Uh, is frustrating and and I get that yeah you you don't you don't want to waste uh you know Caleb Williams for sure um I think the irony is that in the in the pantheon of college football like that, that happens a lot like <laughs> yeah. um that's that's the scary part right like well didn't Trevor Lawrence not win a Trevor Lawrence no, never did. won a, did he, he won, did. no he won as a freshman yeah yeah uh he won a national Bryce championship Young, no um Peyton Bryce. Manning is the one famously um uh T Martin of course uh USC everyone's favorite USC offensive coordinator T Martin uh won a national title at Tennessee after Peyton Manning left right like that is a thing that that has happened before right like that may happen again you know like i don't know yeah not to say that it will but you know it's always one of those possibilities you hope that it doesn't uh and the grand scheme of things you take any national championship you get, obviously. Uh, yeah, but, but only um, one team gets to win the national title every year, right? Which, which and- is why, which, which is my why I like I understand that when the expectations are, this team should compete for a national championship. That it creates this duality of like championship or bust. I don't like the idea of championship or bust in a sport that has a hundred and thirty-one teams, like. Just just math, math, 131 teams, and we talk about the lack of equity in college football as it is, and I understand that, like, SC can't talk about that in the same way, say, Oregon State and Washington State right now can, could, right? Or the same way that Boise State could talk about that 10 years ago or whatever it is, right? Like, if SC goes undefeated, they're going to be in the playoff. That's not the case for, say, uh, you know, Rice, if Rice was under, you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, like SC has gotten screwed out of being in a national championship game before, right? Like you don't always control your own destiny. There's other teams. You I, could have a great one loss season uh, <laughs> and, you know, be on the outside looking in like any of these things can sort of happen. So I think it's, it's terribly valid though, to argue that if, the proper defensive coordinator had been hired that USC would be a championship favorite this year. If if USC had an even half-decent defense, if USC had a, a defense that uh, could be relied upon, I think USC would be a, a, a top-three team right now. Um, USC would be where Michigan's at, where Michigan hasn't beat anybody, but 
uh, because of the strength of what they were last year and what they returned, they yeah. are getting, they're just, they're able to sit there and, and be number two. Um, so the, like, I think, I think it's valid to have that discussion. Um, but, uh, but there's a difference between like having that discussion and being so consumed by it that you can't enjoy everything else that's going on in a season. Because right. if, if, you can't watch a football team with and be happy without them winning a national title, then you will be miserable 99% of the time. And that's where the, the, the issue is like there, there's, there has to be balance where you can acknowledge that this is a problem, that this is what happened and that, and that there were, um, that like mistakes were made, but also be rational about that and just sort of sit back and say like, yeah, those mistakes were made, but this is where we're at. And this is what, this is what's in front of us. And this is what we're watching now. And this is how I'm going to choose to, um, choose to react to what's in, what's in front of me now. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the other thing is like, you know, looking back at the P Carroll era, like there was that mentality towards the end where, you know, there was a lot of disappointment and resentment over like the 2006 season, Pete the 2007 Carroll, season, right? But like, Pete Carroll lost multiple championships because of like single bad halves of football in a right. season. But but also like, like he had won two championships before then, before like it got to the point where those sort of like expectations and chosen misery came from whereas SC's in a situation where they're literally a a season and a half removed from like what every SC fan in our comments has ever said was the worst experience of their lives yeah so you know what I mean like so you know yeah have some perspective (laughs) I I, I think there's this idea that like Link like Link Lane Kiffin, like like Lincoln Riley has already failed, and it's like it's it's th- wild. To, to your point in the carcass, I thought was was probably the most poignant thing that you you know either one either one of us said. The reason that Lincoln Riley is in this position to you know to sit here and and we can say that he's never like addressed the defense is because he's never failed enough. He's never failed enough, like. Lincoln Riley has never lost more than two regular season games, and he's only done done that a couple of times. Like he's doing something right, kids. Like I don't think what he's doing right is on the defensive side of the ball, but he's doing something right. And if right. You, like what frustrates me is that we spent how many we've spent a decade on this podcast, Michael, talking about how right. um, you know USC doesn't make good hires, USC isn't isn't ambitious in their hires, and that. And that then USC ends up with these coaches who have all these mistakes and blah, 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 blah. And it's like USC went out and hired a top five college football coach. USC has a top five college football head coach. There is no arguing that to me. Right. So that that head coach needs to prove that he can take the next step to being a national title winning head coach. But literally, he is arguably like who of the non-national title winning head coaches has done more or proven more than Lincoln Riley. Maybe Jim Har- uh, Harbaugh. 
Like Riley has done a hell of a lot more than Ryan Day at this point. So like who 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 among them is in a better spot is it is in a better spot than Lincoln Riley? Now right. he does need to fix the defense. The defense has been his has been his Achilles heel. But as I've also said, like he he he's gonna have to learn that lesson. But the the fact of the matter is, he's a forty year old. Like he hasn't learned that lesson because he hasn't had time to learn that yet that lesson yet. And he's gonna learn it one way or the other, and either rise above it or not. I'm not gonna bet against Lincoln Riley at this point, considering the fact that his offense is still the best thing on the planet. Yeah. So. Either way, uh, the polls see <laughs> down to number nine. Uh, that's that. That's where we are. That's where USC currently sits. Uh, that's where the college football landscape sits. Uh, let's, let's get to talking about the game. Of course, USC and Colorado, the Trojans, uh, of course, uh, dominate to go up, uh, 34 to seven. They led 41, 14. Um, but of course, uh, they lose despite having more points, uh, and <laughs> get the W despite losing 48, 41. Um, Alicia, this is this is the new thing on on the pod. Um, the rewatch goes down, and then this becomes Alicia's optimism and pessimism corner. So take it away. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, where do you want me to start? You guys want me to start with optimism or pessimism? Um, uh, let's go pessimism first, and then we we round it out with with optimism. So, do you want me to hit the drop first or or after? Go ahead and hit the drop. Okay. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. All right, take it away. Go for it. Okay, here's the story of the game, in my view. Um, once again, shocker, explosive plays. It all just came down to explosive plays. It's really that simple. The explosive plays are explosive playing, and they are bad in in uh, for USC's defense. Um, Colorado had 14 plays of 10-plus yards in this game. Five of those were in the first half. Nine of them were in the second half. Of the nine in the second half, five of those were for 20 or more yards. And it all kicks off... Um, late in the third quarter when USC gives up like a 65-yard play on a very routinely missed tackle by Damani Jackson. Dude breaks free, gets down the field, easy touchdown. Uh, he's eventually caught up to it, but then Colorado goes on and, and scores the, the touchdown that sparks the beginning of their comeback. It all comes down to one missed tackle. One missed tackle, 65 yards later, Colorado is about to score a touchdown. Um, and that would happen on pretty much every drive from there on out for Colorado. One missed tackle, big play. One missed, um, uh, one missed sack, big play. One uh, leaving the guy who's shredding you on every single play wide open, there's a touchdown for, for Colorado. So the same schematic and execution issues that USC has had all along led to massive breakdowns on defense that led to easy points for Colorado. And that is very, 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 very frustrating from a USC perspective because you and I talked about in the first half that the defensive performance 
was perfectly adequate. I would say the first half plus the first two drives of the third quarter were perfectly adequate, if not solid. Um, In the first half, I think the biggest pessimistic takeaway from the first half uh, is that USC couldn't stop a a third and short to save their lives. There were like a million third and shorts that Colorado was able to convert. And I have massive questions about USC's front seven um, from a man-to-man perspective on that front seven, from a schematic perspective on the, how did you not stop a single third and short at, at a certain point? Like at a certain point, the the play call is wrong if this is happening five, six times in a game. Um because your execution clearly isn't getting isn't getting enough to 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 make that happen but but the thing is that in the first half i would rather be giving up third and short a million times and have colorado be limited in the speed at which they can move because they're having to methodically drive down the field in order to score in order to attempt a field goal um i would much rather have that than handing colorado 65 yards handing Colorado 45 yards, handing Colorado 20 yards on individual plays. Like that, the difference between the first half and the second half is really that USC wasn't giving up as many explosive plays in the first half. And in the second half, it was just explosive play after explosive play. And those explosive plays come from individual mistakes. They come from schematic mistakes. They come from the same schematic um, or, or philosophical deficiencies that have been burning USC the entire time. I'm talking specifically about quarterback, uh, quarterback uh, scrambles. Those are a problem that mm-hmm. that we've seen consistently enough for it to feel like again a feature of this defense rather than an anomaly in this game. Yeah, I, I, where, where are you in the quarterback scramble thing? Because I, if, if you'd have told me going in, would you rather Shadur Sanders beat you with his armor's legs? I'd absolutely say, like, force him to beat you with his legs because uh, he's someone that we know that can, you know, throw the ball very well. We know that he's, uh, you know, a high high quantity uh, passer, all those things, and we'll throw the ball a million times and and all of that. Colorado seemingly went away from a lot of those uh, sort of tendencies by being willing to run as much as they did in this game. Um, But also, yeah, he had a lot of success running the the ball. Is, Is that more of an indictment than anything? Or do you think how much of that was you know, SC willing to not game plan for it because of how much of a good passer he is. And how much do you think that that maybe worries things in the future well, when SC plays, you know, guys who could do maybe, both. maybe could beat you with their legs a little bit more like, like Bo Nix, right? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think the, the thing that USC really needed to do was not let Shooter Sanders beat them with his arm. And in the, in the fourth quarter, that's what they essentially did. So I think clearly you take him scrambling if you need to, but, but keeping things in, in front of you. The, the problem is that the Shooter Sanders scrambles were like the least of USC's worries in, in that sequence. They, it was helping them extend drives. But like I said, 
those were, you know, scrambling for a first down and, and that's really frustrating, but I get it. You can't, you can't give those up and let him toss it down the field for a 30 yard gain. Right. You can't give those up and have the short stuff that Colorado was working break off for 65 yards because you missed tackles. Like, you need to at least be stopping one of them, and USC wasn't stopping any of them in the in in that later later portion of the game. I have a serious question that I don't feel equipped to answer, um, or to to give an answer for. But like in the fourth quarter, the uh, Bryson Shaw is abused essentially. Like they just they just throw it right whoever's right whoever Bryson Shaw is covering like that's who they're throwing to it, it, it felt like at a certain point and he was getting just annihilated um by the way I do want to stick up for Bryson Shaw on one thing on the one touchdown that was down um the 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 left side where he looks like he misses a tackle he sort of misses a tackle but he was also he was it was he was the only defender with five blockers because it was a screen that no one else on USC's team sniffed out. They had three offensive linemen and two wide receivers out there ready to block the poor sucker out there the, of Bryson Shaw out there in the flat. So, like, even if Bryson Shaw is able to pull off what what I think would have been a miraculous t- a tackle, like, USC got beat schematically there because the screen game is always going to burn USC. So, again, this is a whose fault is it players or scheme. Like, in that situation, Bryson Shaw gets hung out too dry. Um, but what I want to know is, why is Bryson Shaw playing center field for USC? Why is Bryson Shaw, to my eye, playing, he looks like he's the free safety. When Kalen Bullock, that is the best thing that he does. Right. It's it's it, a valuable. I mean, it's something it, that we had, you know, while watching the game, like early on, even in the in the first half, the first touchdown that SC gives up is uh, a play where Kalen Bullock crashes down and and Shaw is sort of left to cover everything else behind him. Yeah, and and to and he gets beat. When I look at it, I'm I'm just thinking, okay, why do you have Kalen Bullock going down into the flat to cover when Kalen Bullock is a great center field defender. I, 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 at a certain point I have to, I have to like ask now my guess would be with Max Williams out. They would rather have Bryson Shaw in that role and have Kalen Bullock's Bullock in the Max Williams role. Maybe I don't, like I said, I don't feel equipped to answer why this is the strategic uh, concept like the uh, mm-hmm. I'm not equipped to 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 understand why it is that they need Kalen Bullock playing like the strong safety role instead of the free safety role, which to me is what he is suited to. Um, but that's that's a that's a Grinch thing that just sort of I also don't understand why um, why uh, the the linebacker rotation is what it is. And why Eric Gentry gets nine snaps in this game. Uh, you know, there are very, very real questions that I just simply do not understand. But um, one last sec- section on the pessimistic side before we get to move into the optimistic side. Um, 
USC went scoreless in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Part, part that, of that is a missed field goal, but like even if that field goal is made, I still don't think that's a good missed enough field goal quarter. and the interception back to back. Yes. And the interception, by the way, comes at literally the worst possible moment for USC. Mm-hmm. Colorado has just scored. They've just sparked a little flame of light into in into the stadium. And what's the first thing that, that Caleb does? Throws an interception. Uh momentum completely swings and Colorado yeah. go, goes ahead and, and kills USC. And like now we, I understand why Caleb throws that interception. He sees, I think it's Mario Williams wide open and he mm-hmm. thinks I've got a touchdown, Boop. but he's, but it's just too late. He's overestimating his own ability there. Uh, I don't think he is. I, I think the problem is it's just it's just a too late of recognition. If he yeah. if he is if he sees Mario Williams before he breaks in to to the open field there down the sideline, he he can make that throw. He absolutely can make that yeah. throw, um, and he, he can he can get him there. And that's a that's a touchdown. He walks into the end zone. In that context, though. It's just it's you just an underthrow prote- because he's he's too late on. You it. have to protect the football and you have to take Right. I think in that context, Caleb has to take what's there. And like let's say even so here's the thing. You see that wide open man and you hit that that pass and he goes and scores the touchdown. Well, you've now just scored in fifteen seconds after your defense, which is clearly gassed, just gave up a touchdown. Like that is the actual argument that people have against the Lincoln Riley offense in terms of the offense hurting the de- the, the defense. Right. Like, if you score a touchdown there that quickly, like you're screwing your defense too. Take Marshawn Lloyd is open underneath. Just take the little dump off. Just take what's there. Methodically drive down the field. Like be I, okay with being methodical. And I know that's like counter. No, I'm I'm with you on the idea of like yeah in in. In the grand scheme of things, it'd be great to have a six-minute drive right there. Um, I also think that, like, if you can score in one play, why wouldn't you at the same time? And so, like, I I, I think it's, you know, yeah, like, it's a horrible throw. In, In hindsight, it's one that you hope that Caleb Williams can learn from to... Don't throw off your back foot when you're not when 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 you're a little late on the read and all those things, and you don't need to hit the the home run shot there. All those things, I'm a thousand percent. I agree. I also think that like it, them scoring a touchdown right there absolutely gives SC a thousand percent more chance to win the game, which they already did. But like you know, like yes, I get that it throws the defense right back out there, but that's just one more drive that Colorado has to make up again. Like, I I don't think it's the end of the world to score quickly there. Yes. Okay. So, and this is why I don't want to put it all on Caleb because on the next drive, USC ends up punting because there are mistakes all over the, the board. Um, Mar- my, my guy, Marshawn Lloyd misses a block that forces Caleb to rush a throw that he misses out to the right sideline. Um, and USC ends up in a, in a third and long situation. On right. third and long, Caleb tries to hit Taj Washington on the sideline. Taj Washington can't make what... what You have to credit the defense. Very good coverage on USC's receivers um, once they sort of went to man-to-man. There was a breakup on Taj Washington there, 
and then uh, on another on the on the field goal drive to Brendan Rice. Very good breakup over the middle. Um, but you also you need Taj Washington to make the tough catch to complete that to when the quarterback gives him the opportunity there. So it's not just that Caleb made the mistake on that drive. I think USC's offense. There were too many players across the board on USC's offense that weren't getting the job done in that fourth quarter. Offensive line was a sieve in in that fourth quarter, and and Colorado figured out that uh, Colorado figured out what they didn't figure out against Oregon, which is uh, sitting back and letting these elite quarterbacks tear you up is just not a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are playing these kinds of guys, you have to get after them. You have to put them under pressure and give yourself a chance. And that's what Colorado did. They were sending pressure. USC wasn't dealing with it well, and USC's offense uh, kind of kind of folded uh, folded late. Now, do I think this is the end of the world? No. They put up forty eight points. They tore through this defense when you know at many many times in this in this game. But if you wanted to want to do the pessimistic take, um, you want to see USC's offense rise to the occasion when the when they are needed, when things are going wrong for their defense, because this is a situation I predict USC will be in again in a fourth quarter where your defense is not going to get a stop, which means you have to be perfect. You have to score touchdowns. Um, and uh, and they didn't get it done. So my yeah. the, the the pessimistic take is that's a bad sign. Red flags all over the place. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's get to the optimism side. So let's let's open that up. I, I I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Go for it. It is now optimism corner for Alicia. <laughs> I wish I had more to say uh, on Uh-oh. optimistic Alicia. Oh. Okay, um, number one, for most of three quarters, I thought USC played rather well on, on in all aspects of the game. Um, the defense is still a weak link, but they were getting the job done. They were getting the stops that they needed to get. The offense was scoring points. Uh, there, were, there was special teams contribution with that blocked punt. For most of three quarters, they played perfectly well, in fact, perfectly sufficient. Um, and then... Late in the third quarter, they get gassed. Um, I think that you can blame altitude and fatigue and just taking your foot off the gas for a little bit of a scare that was more of a scare than a than a than a threat than a than a huge like threat level. And I get Colorado is well within their rights to say. If we had just had more time, we would have won that game. But the fact is, you didn't have more time, and you mismanaged the ending of your game to make sure that you didn't. So I don't mm-hmm. think that USC was in danger of Colorado actually pulling this off. Um, so when it comes down at, to it... At, at the same time, I don't think we could have foreseen their game management being that horrendous. Yeah, I mean... You know what I mean? I mean, you can't rely on the other team being that bad at at, uh, at game management. But also, yeah. good reminder that the vast majority of coaches are bad game managers, just for the record. Um, yes. Uh, so, like, that, th- there are circumstances around this. I do think Max Williams being missing was a uh, an issue for the defense because, love him or hate him, Max Williams is at least a veteran leader on that defense that can can is capable of making plays... And um, basically what happened when Bryson Shaw was getting murdered, 
they didn't really have anybody else to turn to at safety. So you're sort of stuck with where you're at. Um, I think that uh, not having Zachariah Branch takes a, a very big explosive weapon off the field for USC. Uh, we have seen Zachariah Branch be the guy who does two defenses, what Colorado did to USC's defense in the second half, where he catches the ball and then just makes a man miss and takes it to the house. And having that kind of weapon on the field matters. Not having him there, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that that certainly uh, didn't have the full arsenal of, of weapons available. Um, the explosive plays, I don't want to push this too hard because I think it really does fall apart when you look at the full picture of what USC's defense has been. But in the grand scheme of things, like Domani Jackson can and should do better. Um, Bryson Shaw should do better. Um, There are individuals who make mistakes in this game who can and should do better. Um, I think the most optimistic take I can give is that Mason Cobb was absolutely a detriment to the defense for much of the ASU game to the point where I was wondering why is he on the field ever? And he responded to that ASU game with what was mostly a very strong performance against Colorado. He was out there making plays that he didn't make against ASU. He was not the problem. He was the problem against ASU. He was not the problem against Colorado. So he responded to that. Um, Damani Jackson can do the same thing. Bryson Shaw, I suppose he can do the same thing, but you still, you gotta, you gotta put that kid in better positions. Like you just, you just have to, you know, I, I think you can say the same positions. thing about about Damani as you t- can say about Shaw too. Like like, it, it, for multiple things. One, if somebody is struggling, help them out. Yeah. Uh, two, even if they're not struggling, help them out. I thought uh, Ryan Abraham had a great point about the the Damani Jackson play, the sixty five yeah. yarder on the on the little screen out. Like, yeah, he misses a tackle. It. SC is up 41 to 14 at the time, right? That really felt like the play that gave, you know, uh, gave them life. That was the play that the, the freshman had the Mm -hmm. first catch on, right? Yeah. Um, it's the one that, that sparked everything, right? Um, yes. If, if Domani tackles him and it's a three yard gain, who knows? Maybe they're able to, you know, hold them and get off the field on third down, et cetera. At the same time, Damani misses the tackle, and there's literally nobody else to help him out either. Mm-hmm. Like, I think both of those things are indictments on, on the defense. A, the missed tackles, and B, the lack of any other help outside of that. Um, to the, the, the flip side of this is last week, the ASU game. Max Williams misses the tackle, right? And then there was somebody else who comes no, in. It was, it was Gentry misses the tackle, and, and then, then Max Williams misses yeah, and, it behind. So there, him. Was, there was at least an, a, a second a, dude there yeah. to, to potentially uh, do yeah. it, and then he missed the tackle too. Was, so like it, having another guy isn't necessarily foolproof, but like you'd like another guy somewhere. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. That, that's it's. I saw somebody in the chat say, like, a lot. I think it was Sagar saying like, a lot of these optimistic things have caveats. It was like, yeah, yeah I wish they didn't, but that's where I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of at. Uh, that's, 
that's the reality though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's get to over under, uh, and look back at all of our thoughts going into the game, all of your thoughts going into the game, your picks, uh, as well. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, here we go. Last week, going into it, uh, I was 13 and 11. You were 12 and 12. Uh, What was this week going to have in store? Let's see. Your first over-under was 5.5 buffs, 20-yard plus plays. Uh, Spoiler alert, I think you already said what this one was going to be. Uh, I took the under, stupidly. You took the over. Gets locked into the over. Uh, it was way over. It was eight. It eight. Yeah. Twenty yard plays. USC was in was on track. Was on track to to get that under, and then they didn't. Yeah. It it all it all came crumbling down. Uh, next one. I said over under one point five USC turnovers. Trojans had not had a multi turnover game uh, this season, and really. Hadn't had more than two uh, in the Lincoln Riley era either. Uh, You said under locks me into the over. It was under. It was one. It was a really costly one, but it was just one. It was the Caleb Williams interception. That was it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Uh, You said over under five and a half USC sacks. Uh, this was one we thought could absolutely blow up because Colorado had been giving up a billion sacks. SC had seven in the fourth quarter alone uh, over at ASU the week before. Uh, I took the under. I thought that line was too high. Locks you into the over. It was under. The line was too high because it was three. SC new, had three. SC rule. got a lot of pressure at times. But doesn't. But did not get the sacks. New rule. Every time we expect USC to get like five to eight sacks, they're yeah. going to only have one or two. Well, Every time we think we'll probably only get one or two sacks, that's when they break free for eight sacks. Well, I, I think also three is a lot. And like three is a good, healthy number. Um, I, I have a hard time predicting five. You know what I mean? Like five yeah. I, ideally is what you want, but like I have a hard time predicting it. We, we talked about that last year with like uh, two or below two, like, tackles for loss and stuff like that like he might he might get four and a half tackles for loss but like it's hard to predict it you know what i mean uh next one i said over under 129 and a half yards for marshawn lloyd you took the over on that locks me into the under it was the under um marshawn lloyd had 84 yards including a touchdown in the first drive of the game my problem was betting on them actually giving him the ball. He he got the ball a fair bit, not as much as not you to, you not have for 129 yards yeah. worth of like reasonable rushing yeah. ability. Yeah, not, not as much as he as he certainly could have. Yeah. Uh, let's go to your last over under, which is over under two and a half USC pre snap penalties. Uh, I took the over. You got locked into the under. It was under. Uh, there was one, just 
one. Yeah, they really cleaned up the uh, the false starts and all that kind of stuff with presumably crowd noise and all that. Um, mm-hmm. May have to start tracking bad snaps there. Yeah. Uh, let's go to yeah, bad snaps. Absolutely hurt. Um, um, thousand percent or it's like one or two a game it's 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 not good uh that might be an over under for this week who knows maybe uh last over under i said over under 169 and a half combined penalty yards combined penalty yards because these two teams were so bad uh at uh at getting penalties um you took the over you were super bullish on this one uh, locks me into the under. It was under. It was way under. There were barely any penalties at all in this game. Yeah, uh, for for Sager, uh, is offsides not considered pre-snap? Um, it was still under with that, but the spirit of the over-under was very much about the offensive line, so we only counted the the one. Yeah, uh, and either way, they, it was under. There just weren't that many penalties in the game. Period. Yeah, uh, at least for a game like this where both teams came in with a billion penalties. Um, I get the win there. Uh, but of course, just like always, we always go three and three. That's what this is about. But we know that over under is about you guys. Uh, so yeah, it's cool for me. I have a one game lead in the uh, in the season standings, something the Cubs wouldn't know about because September happened, but I'm not going to go into that. Uh, weekly leaders, uh, was there a six and oh? What do you think? There was, yes. Yes, there was. It was one person, Stephen Shad. Well done. Well done, Stephen. Uh, why? Because he is one of the season leaders, along with Vince and South Detroit, both of them 24 and 6. They've, Very impressive. There have been 30 over-under lines so far in this season for, for the, the Rod over-under game. They have gotten 24 of them correct. Is that insane or what? Like, hats off. Jay Vandy, right behind him at 23 and 7. It is. People are insane at at how good they are in picking these things. Yes. Um, Yes, Because so so many of them are like coin flips. Yes. So uh, hats off to to you guys uh, for picking those. Uh, Always, always a fan of that. Uh, but let's get to, um, oh, last thing, our, our predictions. Uh, your yeah. score prediction was 56 to 24. Uh, wrong. Uh, my score prediction was 48 20. Hey, I got the 48. <laughs> got the 48. Yeah. Still wrong. So, all right. Uh, let's get to uh, the mailbag, uh, shall we? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've got mail. All right. Uh, we got to start with uh, voicemails we got. Uh, let's start with a voicemail we got from uh, Kyle. 
Hey, it's 818-KYLE-FRANK. Um, I have to call and say that this team reminds me a lot of the 2017 team, but in a much harder Pac-12. Um, I think we're going to win ugly versus uh, mediocre teams and get uh, our rear ends handed to us by the good teams. Um, I'm predicting losses to Oregon, Washington, and Notre Dame, um, and I'm eternally grateful that we have an all-time generational talent at quarterback, or we'd probably be on a quest for six wins right now. Right on. Thanks for the call, Kyle. Hey, the 2017 team, Pac-12 winners. I I think Kyle just guaranteed the (laughs) Pac-12 championship. Right there. Here's here's my thing. Uh, thanks for calling in, Kyle. Appreciate you. Um, I think you are way overreacting. <laughs> way overreacting? Way overreacting. Here's the thing. Um, the Yes, USC has a generational quarterback. Lincoln Riley has always had a quarterback of elite level because cor- Lincoln Riley's offense and Lincoln Riley's quarterbacks are always of elite level. And even when they are not of elite level like Spencer Radler at Oklahoma, that offense is still incredibly difficult to break down. Um, Lincoln Riley, like, I take nothing away from Caleb. He is absolutely incredible. But, like, Lincoln Riley is not a 6-6 six and six head coach. His offense is too good. This is, the, this is just sort of what it is. Like, he has a ceiling because of the defense, but his offense is too good to write off as a USC would be lost completely without Caleb Williams. Um, so that's my 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 one thing. Um, I don't anticipate blowouts simply because I don't anticipate I think USC's the offense, offense is too good to get blown out. Yes, yeah. that's sort of where I'm at. And until I mean, pr- uh, until I'm proven wrong, that's sort of where I'm going to be where I'm going to be at. But uh, I don't see any defenses on this schedule that rise to the level of um, well, the defense, like the one or two defenses that have ever gotten one over on Lincoln Riley. That's the interesting thing is like, as much as I think that we can look at this and say, uh, does SC Lula a national championship team? Not, at, not in this necessarily like instance, right? Until the defense proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um SC, Oregon, and Washington, all three were very similar last year and they're very similar this year in that they all three have defensive issues that need to be proven. SC is the one that made the big glaring, you know, mistakes last year that everyone remembers. And Lincoln Riley is the one with the track record about the defensive miscues that Lanning doesn't have because he's a new head coach. Uh, and, um, uh, Washington, uh, Kellen DeBoer doesn't have because I feel like Kellen DeBoer is someone who never gets talked about, not as much as he should, and he mm-hmm. he doesn't have the track record that, that Lincoln Riley does as well. But like you look at the numbers last year, both those teams did not have elite defenses at all and need to prove something. So absolutely, I think that we're bound for shootouts in the, those big Pac-12 games. We know that Notre Dame's defense seemingly should be pretty good. Look at what they've done the last two weeks. Um, you know, played two grinded out ugly games. I I would expect their defense to 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 be good, but do they have the offense to to back up blowing SC out? I know we talk about SC's defense not being great, but like 
I think Notre Dame early on in the year looked like they were incredible on offense, and I think that Sam Hartman is someone that you can you can trust. But Notre Dame hasn't necessarily done it either in the last two weeks when they've actually played stiffer competition either. So I I don't know. I, I think if SC's I, I wouldn't be surprised if SC lost all the tough games because there's a lot of tough games on the schedule. Um, and there's road games included there at Notre Dame and Oregon. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest. At the same time, I don't think they're going to be blowouts. I think they're, that those, cl- those those losses would be shootouts. The closest thing to a blowout is something like a 50 to 35 where it was 35-35 in the third quarter and then the offense didn't come, you know, couldn't, there's a, there's couldn't a bad keep snap up in fumble the fourth or something. Yeah, 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 something like that. So, um I, I will agree with there are some people in the chat. Who, uh, LBC Robbie says he they think that uh, Oregon's defense is, is way better. Oregon's defense does look better than last year, and I think one of the things that Oregon is doing that USC is not doing is they aren't giving up explosive plays. There is still vulnerability to that defense. The run defense mm-hmm. on, at Oregon is, is something to be concerned about, but their secondary is good, and they keep things in front of them. And just, just the skill of being able to keep things in front of you will keep your defense from doing what USC's defense is, which which is to just completely implode and give up 40 points. Like, Oregon's defense doesn't need to be elite for them to be much improved from where they were last year. They just need to not give up explosive plays, and they have done that so far. Um, Washington has certainly done a better job of that than USC has so far, and that is what distinguishes those defenses from USC, um, where they you know realistically could be much, much closer together if USC just didn't have those dumb, explosive plays that they give up every other second. Let's go to a phone call we got from the best area code in the world, the 310. I got it. I got it. This question is for Alicia. If you were the head coach and Michael was your defensive coordinator, what would you say to him after this game? What would you say to him? And what would be your expectation for the rest of the season? Would you even, not Michael himself, but would you just let him go? Maybe just let him go. I mean, <laughs> our defense can't get any worse, I don't think. So why not Why not just let him go and accept the fact that we have this great quarterback and that's all we have? Uh, thank you for the call. My answer is I would look Michael in the eye and say, Michael, I love you, but I'm demoting you. I'm sorry. You cannot run my defense anymore. Wow. I'm going to call up, uh, call up like, I don't know, Kenny or Saman, and they're going to run my defense. Wow. Just replacing me with my friends? Wow. I I love you. I love you, but. uh, Ah, Jeez. We just can't, can't do it. (sighs) All right. Let's go to another voicemail. Let's go to a uh, voicemail from Phil. Michael and Alicia, this is Phil from Virginia. First time, long time. Currently standing in line for a haunted house with my daughter and friends. But I wanted to add, I understand the negativity with Grinch and the defense. And I would have fired him last year. But it doesn't change the fact that he's still here. We get crushed enough in the national media with the negativity. Can we not just have some perspective about the help years and the misery that we went through? curious your thoughts on that and what are your thoughts on haunted houses in general <laughs> haunted house is bad okay. big bad like i i revel in the idea of the idea of scaring people i there's somebody i know who is very close to me that 
I don't know if you guys in the podcast know of this person. Maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not going <laughs> to confirm this. Who is very against clowns. And I fantasize about like. And squirrels. Uh, and like getting into a car and secretly having a clown mask and putting on the clown mask so that when they get in the car and look over at me in the driver's seat, they then see me in the clown mask and how terrified that would be. Like, God, that, that, it warms me inside about like how that could be like one over to, to get this person to be scared. But A, that makes me an asshole to think this. But and B, <laughs> I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. And I don't want to get scared because I'm a little scaredy cat. I don't watch horror movies or any of those things. Those things are terrifying. I no, I, I no haunted houses. Uh, <laughs> I would divorce you for the record. Um, <laughs> I, I I was not talking about any anybody no. in particular. No, uh, I um <laughs> to answer the Halloween the the haunted house question straight up. Uh, I only recently uh, went to Halloween Horror Nights at, at Universal Studios for the first time last year and discovered that I can do a, ha- uh, a haunted house. I can do like a scare maze so long as I have had copious amounts of alcohol before. Otherwise, <laughs> I am in the corner crying, but get, you know, a, a couple beers and uh, liquid courage is... Uh, is certainly what it what it does. But to answer the, que- the 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 actual USC question there, um, yeah, I think we are on the same page. You, Michael, and I, and and you are on the same page. Like, it's okay to be frustrated with the defense. It's okay to be very critical of the defense. You guys have heard me be very critical of the defense and 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 the defensive coordinator and all that kind of stuff, while also acknowledging that you, <laughs> that USC is in an incredibly good spot to be competing. The setup to compete for national titles uh, this year and going forward, uh, and that compared to where USC was, you could not be in a better spot. Like, I don't think people realize that when you parted ways with Clay Hilton, the hire that was made was going to be a 50 50 shot just to be as good as Clay Hilton was, which is what I'm what I mean by that is capable of fielding at least one team capable of winning a Pac-12 title and one team capable of winning a, a Rose Bowl. Like, for all his faults, Clay Hilton at least did that. Clay Hilton was at least of a medium variety to to that certain point. The hire that USC made when they got rid of Clay Hilton could have gone either way. It could have been you're trying to at least stay where you were under Hilton or you could have gone full Nebraska and hired somebody that absolutely destroys your program and absolutely puts you on to a point where you can't recover from it for years and years and years And to then come. you're like, oh, we should have been happy with Bo yeah. Pelini. Just yeah. look at, like, USC could have hired Matt Campbell. Look at what, what's going on with Matt Campbell and, and Iowa State right there. Like, that looks like a, oh, what happened to him kind of situation. USC could have done what Texas did by hiring Tom Herman, the right hire that just doesn't work out. Like, the, the, the hires don't work out not most of the time. Instead, USC went out, out and hired Lincoln Riley, which instantly put USC in a, in a position to be set up for co- contention, at least, for the foreseeable future. Like, I cannot stress how good of a position USC is in in long-term future prospects because they went out and made the Lincoln Riley hire. So, like, enjoy Caleb Williams while he's here. Enjoy Lincoln Riley and that offense while he's there and on the side say 
man, I really hope Lincoln figures out that he needs a new defensive coordinator and that he needs to make the right hire a defensive coordinator if you want to win national titles. But like, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think we talked about it a lot earlier earlier on in this episode that uh, this is not the worst five and zero of all time. No. Like it 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 really is not. I understand why uh, it may feel that way, um, but it's not. It it it, it really isn't. Um, SC's been there. SC you know, SC's lost it, games like, like Saturday, they, and they've lost games like ASU before that many many times. Well, you know th- that's the thing too. Like the um, all the you know all the comments that we that we got during the 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 Clay Helton era was that this is the worst time to be alive, basically. Yeah. Um, and then we're sort of still getting those comments, and I I, I just don't think it, I don't think it's war- warranted with the same vitriol. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And K- Kenny in the chat and enjoy the next Heisman winning quarterback that Riley has because that's just what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go to a. Uh, Let's get a voicemail we got from. Uh, okay, all right. Get your booze ready in the chat, oh, folks. Oh God, get your booze ready in the chat. We got a we got a voicemail from Oklahoma. Here we go. Look, this is a good call though. This is Torn from Oklahoma. I have a question. I wanted to see if you guys picked up on uh, maybe rewatching or watching it live. But it seemed like in the first half, the defense wasn't getting overly creative. They were running fairly simple packages without a ton of random blitzes. And they were holding Colorado pretty well, at least as well as uh, USC's defense ever does. And then in the second half, when Colorado showed a spark of life, all of a sudden it seemed like they started getting more desperate on defense and sending those blitzes and leaving even larger holes in the coverage. Is there anything to that? Because that's what I picked up on watching the game. And lo and behold, they gave up a ton of points in the second half. Thanks for the call. Um, Alicia, I, I talked about it in the car cast. I think for me, a lot of that change in the second half was Colorado deciding after six quarters against Oregon and SC to finally try to subvert pressure when they can't handle pressure themselves with things like screens and things like getting their speedsters like Omarion into the game, right? Like, I think that's what a lot of the big stuff in the second half was. Colorado changing their MO on offense. Um, did you, you know, in, in your rewatch, look at it as a, this is an SC blitz sort of thing, or is it Colorado play call sort of thing? Where, where were you? I can't say that I noticed that, that I noticed a change in terms of like blitzes or anything like that on my rewatch. Um, or even like the exotic coverages that annoy me about Grinch. Cause like, I think an exotic coverage is what burned USC on that first Shudder Sanders. Uh, it was either a completely yeah. blown play or an exotic coverage. I, I'm not sure on, on that run because um, it's hard to tell sometimes why dudes are doing what they're I mean, doing. If, if anything, it's miscommunication like yeah. we talked about in the car yeah, cast. Yeah. Probably because of an exotic coverage, all that. What I do, where I do think this has some merit is less about like that USC sent exotic blitzes and more about I think USC's defenders got impatient. And I think that there was a um, a sense of the defensive line getting frustrated that they weren't getting to the quarterback and then being overly aggressive and then getting susceptible to the misdirection plays, to the screens, to all of those kinds of things. Um, 
Colorado definitely started running more screens, more misdirections, more of those kinds of plays that hurt USC's defense. Um, and USC was just more susceptible to them across the board. There were a few of those too in the first half, and I thought guys like Mason Cobb did a good job of sniffing a couple out. Like there were there were moments where they were uh, keeping everything in front of them, and my guess is that USC just got like the players started feeling desperate, and no one was calming them down, which was certainly a problem. Uh, but uh, but I didn't. Think, I don't think it was necessarily like a play calling. There are too many blitzes going on because USC's blitzing all the time, anyways. So, yeah, that's that's the Grinch MO, right? Yeah, blitz, blitz, blitz. Uh, let's go to a Discord message we got from our pal Tim in LA who says, aside from any serious issues like fixing the targeting rules, you could change one random college football rule. What would it be? I'd make kickoffs to the uprights one point. It would, be, it would make most PAT penalties much more in, interesting. I love that idea. I think there are teams, there, there would I'm be down. some gaming of that system, but I am down for the gaming of that system. Um, absolutely, absolutely on board with, with that. Don't actually know why it's not already a rule. Like that should already be a rule. That would mm-hmm. be just really, really fun. Um can you think of a of a rule that you so would change? I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I am a big proponent of all college football rules over the NFL. So I am not going to like sit here and be like, oh, this rule from the NFL, I think they should be adopted. Uh, no, because I think all NFL rules suck. I'd rather have one foot down. I like the the college football hash marks. I know a lot of coaches don't. I like the college football wide hash marks. I like that the um, the I like that the clocks. That's that's what I would fix. That the clock stops on first downs again as it should normally, without all the new BS of the timing rules. Uh, I would fix that. Um, if anything, one thing I would do for to make the the game go by quicker, probably reduce halftime from twenty minutes to fifteen. Uh, outside of that, like I, I can't think of anything overly glaring. One of the things that I, I really liked about, oh, actually, I'd go back and fix overtime. I'd get rid of the the whole like after the second overtime you have to go into the into the penalty kicks of two point conversions. No, just let them let them keep going. Let eight, them keep eight going. Overtimes. In in the third overtime you have to go for two, but like that's it. Let it. It was an overreaction to like two games that went super long. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let let them keep going. I don't I don't care. Um, let's go to an email we got from Tom. Uh, or did you did you have a rule? Did you did you think of one? No, I'm sure if I was watching a game and like a stupid penalty came up, I would. I know that there are penalties that <laughs> I think are stupid that shouldn't be penalties. One or... of the one oh. Actually, here's one, a legitimate one. I would have a separate, I would have, um, you know how there used to be two different levels of face mask penalties? Yeah. The inadvertent five and the 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 personal foul 15. Mm -hmm. I would do that for pass interferences where there is pass interference is 15 yards. Then there is a flagrant pass interference, which is a spot foul. 
And the flagrant ones are the ones where, like, that we would see, like, with Marquise Lee, the yeah. Notre Dame game in 2012, where they would just hug Marquise Lee. Um, no, you, you can't do that sort of thing. Like, there's a difference between, like, what amounts to more, like, holding and, yeah, like, like, actual pass I, interference. I think a, a, flag, I, I a flagrant uh, pass interference is something that is, A, overly aggressive, or B, would be along the lines of, like, a professional foul. Mm-hmm of the the sense of like this guy is perf purposely taking the penalty because it's the 15 yards yeah you can't do that yeah you can't do that like that's one of the things where you should take the penalties the the pass interference calls so you don't get burned that way uh but i think that's that shouldn't exist and i don't like the spot foul in general, because I don't like the idea of like, oh, there's this long pass and oh, nope, personal foul. Suddenly you've get, you've gotten these 40 yards on this play where your dude was probably not going to catch it anyways. So I don't want the spot foul unless it's egregious. Oh, oh, I know what I would change. I would change um, uh, holding calls, holding calls in general hmm. that uh, they only apply if they were actually going to impact the, the play like the nothing drives me more crazy than a holding penalty that was so you're allowing holds against like how, how do you how do you legislate I, that i don't know i just think it's stupid that maybe not change the rule but like wink wink nod nod to officials that like don't call the crap that's not actually Here, part of the play here's a thought on holding penalties you get the op you get a third option instead of accept or decline you get a middle option, which is loss of down for five yards. I like that because, because one of the things that I always find frustrating is, oh, here's a fourth down. Here's a um, uh, first down play, and there's a hold, and now it's going to be you have the you can accept no, for it me it's for the- you can accept it for second for first and twenty. Or you can decline it for second and ten. I would rather have a middle option for second and fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that might be too powerful, but I like that. I do like that. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to an email we got from Tom. Uh, hi, Michael Alicia. I tried really, really hard to give Alex Grinch a chance, but watching the Colorado score their fourth touchdown with all the help of the big guys uh, is enough for me. By the end of the season, Grinch has got to go. Do you think Dave Aranda would have any interest? Fight on Tom. In the Cayman Islands. Dave Aranda was reportedly looking at being hired by USC before he got the uh, mm. Baylor job as D- DC. So, like, if Dave Aranda wants to come to LA, by God, sign him up. Yeah. That would, uh, it would be a good one. Like we, like we talked about before, he would match. Uh, he's literally won a national title uh, with a, with a good, not great defense on a, in, incredibly offensively minded team uh, over at LSU. Uh, let's go rapid fire. Uh, YouTube questions. Mark says, where is Dorian Singer gone? He makes one or two catches a game for pitiful yards. He caught a touchdown. I, yeah. Let, let him catch a touchdown guys. It's okay. If he just catches a touchdown, like I, I don't think this is a Dorian Singer issue. This is like, nobody has that many catches in USC's offense. Like, uh, Zachariah Branch has 13 catches. Dorian Singer has 12. 
Uh, Mario Williams only has 15. Like I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy. Also, Dorian Singer has three touchdowns. Uh, let's go to a question from uh, BL. Have the have the discussion that USC is not playing anybody who struggled this much. Uh, what do you think will happen when they play better teams? There is no championship in sight. Yeah. What will happen yeah. when they play better teams could just be that they win every game 48-41. Like that is. It could. That is yeah. not outside of the question. Because teams can only have so many explosive plays in a game. Like opposing offenses aren't going to be able to be perfect all the time either. So. Randy says, uh, when we were up 41-14, why weren't we running the clock down between snaps? Why don't we run more, short more, p- short possession passes, eat as much clock as possible? I, I think that's a very valid, uh, valid criticism. It probably could have managed that much, much better on offense. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. especially also, when run S- the damn ball. SC runs the clock down all the time anyways. Yeah. Uh, Rowan Murdy says, why is there a lack of commitment to the running game to help slow down the game and keep the ball away from the other team? Yeah. I... Run the ball. Valid. Yeah. yeah. Um, West Texas Mike, uh, why does the NCAA limit the number of players who travel on the road? Seems like a dumb rule. The team is the team. I, I, I'm sure that there's some like honest reason for why that exists, but I don't know what it, is outside of like giving your walk-ons a chance to suit up that's you think it's a money thing i just think it costs more to take take a full like 90 man squad to away games and i mean yeah but i think i think i think it could be bumped up uh let's go to randy again uh back-to-back uh road games early start after late start playing at altitude why wasn't riley protecting his defense by slowing the game down the second half yeah yeah i mean (laughs) you're asking the right questions uh final question ron murdy says uh since halloween is coming which candy is better snickers or m&ms 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 is like the probably one of the best candies ever M and M's are fine. It's M and M's is Mount Rushmore. I'm not a Snickers person. It's a Mount the Mount Candymore. I'm a I'm a Milky Way kind of. Also, regular M and M's. The brown bag. Get out of here with the freaking (laughs) yellow bag peanut bullshit. That that stuff sucks. Because nuts don't belong in your mouth. Remember that, folks. Uh, The milk chocolate M and M's all day, all day. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, Wednesday to preview USC uh, and Arizona. Lock and horns at the Coliseum on Saturday nights. Uh, until then, uh, we will be back. Um, give us your emails, randomtroyatfansider.com, phone number 818-643-7227. Uh, we'll be in contact. You know where to find us. Until then, uh, see ya. See ya. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.